1: Welcome in, folks, here for today's college football kickoff show. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Plum. We are part of Big Blue View's audio lineup, and as we've done every single week, if you're a fan of college football, we've highlighted a number of games that have importance for the college football landscape but also have some big name nfl draft prospects in them that you should be paying attention to for the sake of the new york giants we also highlight one specific draft prospect and we go into full detail break them down and then discuss the possibility of the giants maybe selecting that specific player now the, the giants are 0-2 pretty much any player is on the table but today we are doing evan neal offensive tackle from alabama a guy who is going to get a ton of recognition throughout this process, is considered to be in a, a close race for Offensive Tackle 1. Another name that is in the mix is Sean Ryan from UCLA, who I'm sure we're going to end up doing next or within the next few weeks because Offensive Tackle definitely needs to be discussed on this show. So Chris, getting into Evan Neal, I, I think that the, the one thing... I have to specifically highlight before I let you go into the intricacies of his technique and the, those things that stood out to you. But, like, if I'm keeping the super bare bones, the guy's six foot seven, 351, got Makai Becton type size, but this dude can freaking move. There is, a, and I think I mentioned on the show before, there is a clip that he put out on social media of him jumping from a standing position to a lunge position on top of two very, very High boxes that I don't think either of us would be able to do at our current weights, and we weigh about 200 pounds less or more than Evan Neal does. Uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> he is really explosive athlete. Is the right? That's not the only way you can phrase it when it comes to Evan Neal, and he is a massive offensive lineman. I. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to come in at 6'7", 351 at the Scouting Combine. I also don't think it matters. Yeah, he is just an enormous human being, but he carries his weight and his size extremely well. He, If he weighs 350, he doesn't look like 350, if, if that makes any sense. He is not a sloppy 350. He is just a big, thick dude and he's got you know long arms you know he's not overly leggy you know he's his legs obviously long enough to be you know six and a half feet tall but he's not one of these real high cut offensive tackles so that does help him with his leverages he can play with good knee bend he's not a as Mike Mayak always just to call him a heavy legged waist bender. You know, he sits into a stance nicely. He moves easily. He moves surprisingly easily for a guy who is as big as he is. And he, he generates power just absolutely effortlessly. Uh, you turn on pretty much any tape you want of him and he can handle pretty much anyone who lines up across from him. Uh, it, uh, Normal edge rusher, not a problem. Uh, A defensive tackle, a dude his size coming out on a twist, again, not a problem. When he gets his hands on guys, it's game over for them, or at least snap over. (laughs) And one of the things that does stand out to me, and I think this could be kind of the Alabama effect where he's getting basically some of the best coaching in the country is that even though he is as big and as strong as, and as athletic as he is, that's not what he uses to win. He wins with solid technique. You know, I already talked about his uh, knee bend, his pad level. He has a good kick slide. He's very balanced. He never really looks hurried or loses his composure in pass protection. he, Places his hands well, uh, usually, almost always, from what I saw, inside the defender's chest plate in the framework, and he is able to just take control of the rep, and pretty much the play is over when he decides it's over. He will block through the echo of the whistle, uh, block his guy 10 yards downfield and onto the ground if he can. Now, I did come up with a couple little nits to pick in his game. One of which is even as great of an athlete as he is, and as easy a mover as he is, he has a little bit of a limited range. Uh, Just that if the defense blitzes a slot corner, he's going to struggle a little bit to get out there, which considering he is as massive as he is yeah, That's something we should pretty much expect the other thing is he can be aggressive, and that's not a bad thing in a blocker. But sometimes his aggression can get the better of him. He can kind of get out over his skis, uh, lunge into contact just a little bit, and a, and just wind up on the ground a little too often for my liking. Yeah, you know, winding up on the ground's fine if you're pancaking a dude, but if you're the only one on the ground and the defender keeps his feet, that's a little bit of a problem. So those are some things that can clean up, but just to my eye, he is a day one plug and play starter. And one of the interesting things about him is he's, he's a three-year starter at three different positions. He started at left guard, right tackle, and this year at left tackle. So he's a plug and play starter. And I would say four positions on the offensive line. If you're drafting him in the top five, you're drafting him to play left tackle, but he can line up pretty much anywhere you need him to.
1: Right, Evan Neal, and you, you did a really good job of, of painting that picture. The guy has a lot of experience, and he's played multiple positions, which is ultimately going to make him super valuable. And, and right now, the Giants just don't really have a solid answer at right tackle. So we thought it was Matt Parrott, and despite him being the young gun who just needed some time to develop, is not getting on the field. And, and that might be telling to the fact that they either don't trust him or he's not panned out the way that they had hoped. So here are the Giants now where they might have to make a decision and draft a tackle. And maybe Matt Parrott pans out. You could ask Evan Neal to play guard because he's done it, but he's probably better off playing tackle. I can know for certain, and I can say for certain, that Nate Solder should not be playing any more offensive tackle for the Giants after this season I feel as though if the, if the Giants are going to make a move to bolster the offensive line it's probably going to be with an interior player because I you know they might give Matt Pirton one more chance to fail but a, a guy like Evan Neal I, I wouldn't complain with him coming in and playing that right tackle spot immediately because of how talented he is and it's one of those things where you know you could argue like okay the Giants already have two tackles that they want to see what happens with them you know like why do they need to draft another one the teams that have consistently drafted more linemen than they've probably needed have always had the best offensive lines in the NFL. They're always drafting offensive linemen early and they're drafting the talented guys as frequently as they can. And that has allowed them to create really good depth and for those guys to develop around each other. I mean, that's the staple for what has happened, what happened with the Dallas Cowboys. It's a staple for like what we, we see the Tennessee Titans tend to do where they swap guys in and out. The Browns are working towards trying to do that. Uh, the, the Detroit Lions have a very underrated offensive line. Like there's th- things like that and teams that are successful and aggressive in developing their offensive lines tend to do really, really well at that stuff. And the Giants just have not done it. They need to put more emphasis on it.
2: Yeah, I agree. Pretty much the only outlier there is the Green Bay Packers, who have this uh, they have a, they must have this secret sauce in their scouting department where they're able to identify guys who fit their scheme in the third, fourth, fifth round, and then develop them. But pretty much everyone else, if you want a good offensive lineman, there just aren't that many coming out of college. And you need to draft them whenever they become available. Uh, I saw today Tankathon, the website that more or less keeps a running track of the draft order, has the Giants right now. And this is, I suppose, kind of a... Good news, bad news. They have they currently hold the first and third picks in the 2022 draft. So you know, right now, they absolutely could draft Evan Neal. And if they want to give Matt Parrot another chance to fail, you know, really try to develop him and not just say, "Well, you didn't work your first time out. To the scrap heap you go." You know, we'll bring in somebody else. They could play Neal at that left guard spot where we suddenly have questions. You know, we just saw Nick Gates go down with an injury. Shane Lemieux is on the injured reserve. Uh, Giants are hoping Will Hernandez can develop at right guard, but if they can have Evan Neal at left guard, you know, yes, there, there might be some questionable value there uh, taking a guy in the top five to play guard, but that also worked out pretty well for the Indianapolis Colts with Quentin Nelson. And I'm not sure Neil has quite the same, just almost supernatural awareness of the field as Quentin Nelson has. But he has kind of the same amount of just rare traits to play the position. And then if Matt Parrott doesn't pan out, you can move Neil over to right tackle or maybe move Andrew Thomas over to right tackle. You know, it gives you options. And right now, options are what the Giants need.
1: Yeah, options are are definitely a priority, I think, for this offensive line as inconsistency has has plagued the group for what seems like forever. Uh, Coming up, we're going to talk about the top three games that we're going to be watching for this weekend for college football. Uh, Before we do so, though, folks, we're just going to take a really short commercial break.
3: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's
1: S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So the three key games this weekend, Chris, Penn State-Auburn, two ranked teams, SEC versus Big Ten, 7.30 p.m. on ABC. That is the late night game. That is going to be the most exciting Alabama-Florida, 3.30 p.m. on CBS. Either could be a really close battle, or we end up seeing Florida get smoked by Alabama. And then the last one, this one, I think, uh, has a good rivalry tone to it, but uh, considering Nebraska sucks, (laughs) this one's not very good. (laughs) Oklahoma-Nebraska, 12 p.m. on Fox. So, out of all these guys that are going to be playing this weekend, Chris, I I think that the... The ones that stick out to me most, and you know, pardon me if I'm being negative, but I, I'm watching Spencer Rattler. I, I want to see what Spencer Rattler does because he very well could be the option for the New York Giants if we're not satisfied with Daniel Jones by the end of the season. If the Giants don't finish with a winning season, and if Daniel Jones isn't at least a slightly above average in terms of his performance, after three seasons, it's time to move on. That's what we saw the Bears do with Mitch Trubisky and now could be the time for the Giants to get their Justin Fields. Spencer Rattler could be that guy. They also have a really talented tight end in Austin Stogner, who I am a big fan of. So maybe the Giants do keep Daniel Jones, but Austin Stogner could be a good replacement for Evan Ingram, who probably will not be back.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think the even if Ingram is able to get healthy for the final 15 games, I think that might just be a question of economics where if he plays well enough to earn a second contract, the Giants aren't going to have the money available to pay him that second contract. So Stagner's on my radar. I am also, and this is feels kind of weird to say, I'm interested in getting a good look at Oklahoma's defense because they've got a few guys on their defense who are pretty interesting. You know, Nick Benito has... A lot of tools, but he is, and we'll we'll say an unrefined pass rusher. Uh, You've got Isaiah Thomas and on Winfrey on the defensive line, and then redshirt sophomore Woody Washington in the secondary. The Giants' defense has been, we'll say, disappointing to start the year, and they have invested in it. But if those if those investments aren't panning out, you can't just leave your defense to be bad. So if the giants could find some maybe value picks off of this oklahoma defense that could be worth watching especially since yeah oklahoma and defense generally do not go together and at least not lately yeah they're a team more known for turning games into track meets than uh defensive (laughs)
1: slugfests yeah no, exactly uh but, I mean, regardless, though, this is a really good weekend for college football. I There's some really good matchups. You guys also throw in there that, that BYU-Arizona State game. That's, that's going to be a fun one. Um, and last week, everybody was kind of talking about how it was a bit of a weak slate, and they ended up being pretty exciting. It's been nothing but exciting football for me, anything that I've watched. A lot of these games have been super, super close. They've been really, really good fights, and I think that this weekend will probably be no different from what we've witnessed so far. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. Head to bigblueview.com. We'll talk to you soon.